Hi everyone, welcome to Songbirds Radio Hour. I'm Zoe and this is my band, The Vanguard. Y'all are in for a treat tonight. On tonight's show, we have Simon Tam, founder of The Slants, which aside from being an awesome band, was involved in an intriguing Supreme Court case back in 2017. We're going to do an interview segment with Simon, And then the slants are going to play a mini set for us right here on Songbirds Radio Hour. As always, after the music, we're going to open up the floor to you, the audience. You'll have a chance to ask Simon anything that's on your mind. That's all coming up, but first, the Vanguard and I are going to play a tune for you called Best Part. And then we make love 
Hey everyone, y'all give another round of applause for Zoe in the Vanguard. We talk a lot on this show about the power of music and its ability to push boundaries and create change. Our guest tonight, The Slants, are no exception. If the name The Slant sounds offensive to you, you're not alone. The U.S. Patent and Trademark Office thought so, too. When The Slant's frontman, Simon Tam, tried to register the band's trademark, it was rejected. With the U.S. government citing the Lanham Act, which prohibits any trademark that could be considered offensive or racist, which seems to make good common sense. But what if you're an all-Asian-American band on a mission to take back a hateful racial slur? The Slants, who dubbed themselves a Chinatown dance rock band, felt strongly about being able to reclaim their identities through the reappropriation of an ethnically offensive term and create a narrative around that word that they could control, hopefully empowering other Asian Americans to nurture a healthy self-identity. The case went before the Supreme Court in 2017, and long story short, The Slants won. 
So before we bring Simon out to explain exactly what happened with this case, I'd like to share how I was introduced to the slants. I first saw the slants in West Hollywood in the backyard of a famous writer and producer. They played a blistering set on his small red brick patio next to the garage between the pool house and the kitchen window. Is that not where everyone finds a new band? They were playing a kid's fundraiser along with MC5's Wayne Kramer, the English Beat, James Fernley from the Pogues, even Rancid's Tim Armstrong played an acoustic set up in a tree. Literally, Tim climbed up in a tree, sat amongst the branches, and played a full acoustic set. And then Billy Bragg played. You know, just your typical Friday night. My wife and I sat there on the lawn next to a couple of stormtroopers from the 501st Legion who were cleaning up the rebel scum in the area. And, you know, also posing with, you know, for pictures with kids and not at all posing with pictures for me. I'm way too mature for that. DJ Lance Rock from the kids' show Yo Gabba Gabba strolled by in full regalia. Was Lieutenant Dangle from Reno 911 there? Well, maybe. We took it all in, in the totally normal backyard sites with the crowd of about 100 all snuggled together in the grass between the taco truck and the live painter who was actively painting a cardboard fence that doubled as a screen to keep folks out of the pool. And out walked the slants. Out from where? I don't know. I guess the guy's kitchen or his garage or whatever served as backstage. Anyway, they took the stage or patio or whatever, and they put on an absolutely screaming show. After the show, my friend told me about their Supreme Court case. And out of all the amazing things that happened that day, that story is what stuck with me. Their struggle for empowerment and the ability to disarm a powerfully negative word and flip it on its head really hit me. Their story is even more valuable after the pandemic. With the recent increase in racially motivated violence against Asian Americans, including the March 2021 Atlanta spa shooting that killed eight Americans, among them six women of Asian descent, There is an added urgency to create dialogue about the harassment and discrimination and to work to stop the hate. And music is a perfect place to start that dialogue. We'll have Simon up to talk more about this and the Slants will play their first show in over three years. But before we get to that, settle back, have a beer, and let's hear another tune from Zoe and the Vanguard. You're listening to Songbirds Radio Hour. gonna do when it come for you work ain't easy but it pays the bills yes it does what you gonna do when they come for you god i can't stand life without you 
got this situation And I was right there at his graduation And it ain't that he don't have education Cause I was right there at his graduation And it ain't saying that this life don't work But it's me and baby that he hurts And when I tell him right he thinks I'm wrong But his love is wrong mm -hmm. uh, What you gonna do when they come for you? Work ain't honest but it pays the bills Yes it does What you gonna do when they come for you? God, I can't stand life without you. See, me and baby got this situation. And baby got this complex occupation. And me and baby got in education. Cause I was right there at his graduation And I ain't saying that this life don't work But it's me and baby that he hurts And when I tell him right he thinks I'm wrong But I love strong came to live, gave me the song that I came to give, pressure on me but the seed is grown, I can't do this on my own, summer came around and the flowers bloomed, he became the sun, I became the moon, precious gifts that we both received, boy could this be make believe, what you gonna do when they come for you? But it pays the bills Yes it does What you gonna do when they come for you God I can't stand life without you Don't worry baby I know there's confusion But I love it strong But it pays the bills Yes it does 
you gonna do when they come for you? God, I can't stand life without you. Y'all give another round of applause for Zoe in the Vanguard. You're listening to Songbirds Radio Hour. So Simon Tam formed the Slants in Portland, Oregon in 2006 and was influenced by bands such as Depeche Mode, New Order, and The Killers, and The Bravery. The Slants have released five studio albums, two EPs, a feature-length film entitled The Slants Taiwan Tour, and have toured across four continents. They've been featured on NPR, the Daily Show with Trevor Noah, the BBC, Conan O'Brien, I don't know, lots of other stuff, and Rolling Stones, Spin, and Pitchfork. So help me welcome founder and frontman of the Slants, Simon Tam. Hey, thanks so much for having me. So let's start out by, why don't you walk me through the Supreme Court case um, and why you, like, you wanted to use the, the name and just kind of talk about how that all came to fruition. Sure. So uh, long before the Supreme Court was even in the picture, we just wanted to use the name as a way to kind of reappropriate um, the, the term. Like it's a, kind of this outdated stereotype that uh, that all Asian people have slanted eyes. And it was, you know, these eyes that got me beat up when I was in school all the time. So I always associated them with a sense of shame. And I thought, what if we could change it, flip it on its head and turn it into something that could actually be empowering? And so that's when I got the idea of the slants. I mean, it was kind of like there's a lot of the type of punk bands in terms of its names. And a lot of folks were using this kind of thing as a way to to just bring attention to it in a different kind of way. Well, uh, the government didn't like that. Um, so when we tried to get our trademark, the trademark office said that we couldn't because they said the name of our band was disparaging to persons of Asian descent. And uh, that kicked off. Uh, almost decade-long legal battle. I guess you guys, you probably like most, you know, kids in a band. You you started a band to rock, and I mean, did you really feel like, oh, you know, we're going to be this big political thing? We're going to take a, we're going to take instead of a, you know, rocking a house show, we're going to take a case all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, well, we we were still a band. We were still writing, recording music, touring, and that sort of thing. But um, now we had this additional weight, I guess, uh, because. Uh, it's really degrading to, for somebody else to choose the identity that you choose for yourself, especially if we were doing like anti-racist work. And we said that it's not up to you. It's not up to the government. It should be up to our communities. And they supported the work that we were doing. And so we wanted to appeal. And like, you know, if you think about it, like how do you prove you're not actually offensive to yourself? Like that's a weird thing to like hold. Yeah. And so we, we tried to appeal using kind of a traditional way saying like, Hey, according to all these organizations and these dictionary experts and these surveys and everything else, like we're not offensive to ourselves and the way we're using this. But the government didn't listen to that because they're like quoting urban dictionary.com as their primary source of information. And so Wait, really, <laughs> they use- yeah, they use urban dictionary and photos of Miley Cyrus pulling her eyes back in this like mock, uh, kind of photo and that was all they had. And so they ignored like the actual voices of thousands and thousands of Asian Americans who were trying to say, no, this is this requires nuance. And I realized that no matter what we were going to do, it wasn't going to win if we had the conversation fixed on that. So we decided to reframe it. We're like, well, 
maybe asking instead of if we were offensive or not, we said why. Like why do you think the slants is offensive when you've given this out as a trademark hundreds and hundreds of times? And that's when the government came back and they said it's because you're too Asian. So they said the problem was like if you see the words the slants and you see a face like mine that you'll automatically think racial slur instead of any other definition in the dictionary which is just a more convoluted way of saying anyone can register the slants as long as they're not Asian. And so we, we started appealing, saying you, you can't use someone's race against them. Well, the government didn't care about that either. And, but then one of our attorneys said, well, maybe the law they're using is actually unconstitutional, like it's violating my freedom of expression. And that was the thing that did it. We, we won at a federal court. Uh, nine out of 12 federal judges struck the law down, but then the government sued me and took me to the Supreme Court. So I didn't want to go there. It just ended up there. <laughs> it's always crazy when you hear these musical stories. I, I remember hearing that story about, uh, you know, John Fogarty getting sued for copyright infringement on his own song, and it went all the way up the chain. You kind of just think, like, this is quite ridiculous use of government time. But it's amazing that you did this because there's been some studies on this and kind of what what has happened after this. And it's really found that that's like really been a very positive thing. So maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So um, actually out in St. Louis, uh, Washington University did a study on like what it meant for people to reappropriate words. And if it was actually useful, like did it actually create a change in power dynamics? And we didn't know it at the time, but they actually used our band as the as the study. And what they found is that, yeah, it actually shifts the power dynamics towards people who are uh, traditionally marginalized. That it actually, not only does it provide us with a sense of empowerment, but it can actually move like political political discourse to a sphere that is more productive. Like all of a sudden, because those power dynamics are have changed a little bit, and on top of that, it just kind of reaffirms that what people who play punk rock known all along, that you need to be able to use parody and satire and wit as tools to neuter hate in this world. The, do you know exactly how that study kind of, what were they actually, how did they, how did they study that? I mean, maybe I don't want to get too into the weeds and too of the science of how a study is conducted. But. So they, they kind of based their work actually off an earlier study um, about 20 years ago, this guy named Adam Galinsky, and he used... Uh, they had participants come in and use different language uh, that's traditionally like ed- pretty edgy, um, you know, racial slurs, uh, slurs against women and, and the LGBTQ community. And they had folks like actually say it and say it to people and and kind of tested their reactions. And if people felt a sense of comfort or discomfort, and it turns out what they found out was like all of a sudden when people are kind of reappropriating the the word itself, now it was like, people who weren't in that community needed to check in with those people. Like almost like they felt like they had to get permission. Like, is it okay if I use this word? It's kind of like these days, everyone's afraid of saying a certain racial slur, right? They call it the N word because they don't want to get slammed for using this, this term. And that's actually stripping power away from somebody who traditionally uses that word to oppress in a community. Now, all of a sudden that community says, you know, we get final say on this thing. And if, if you use this without our, uh, approval, or like if we're not cool with it, then all of a sudden you're going to feel some social repercussions and a sense of a kind of a loss of sense of power. And we always sit and we do these radio shows and we talk about the power of music and the power to change. And, you know, sometimes it gets a little ethereal out there. This is some really concrete, you know, step one, step two, step three. 
How old were you when you started kind of going through this whole process? Mm. I mean, if you don't mind me asking. <laughs> I was in my uh, mid-20s when I, when I started going through it. And, and so you guys are, a, you're touring the United States at the time and then also trying to do this, have this legal battle. I mean, it's, I just remember myself in, in my 20s and I don't, I don't know if anyone wanted to see me in court or anything like that. <laughs> so, I mean, how, how do you balance that kind of thing? Uh, I mean, I brought law books with me on tour. I, I was studying the case uh, and, and the law inside and out and shooting notes to my attorney. And so what happened is like we'd tour, we'd play shows. And at night when everyone else would go to bed, I was hitting the books and like trying to like look in and out and really think, like thinking about like whether we were doing the right thing or not to first because I didn't want unintended consequences like me doing something and it turns out it's a very bad thing. Um, but second, like, is there another way to address the problem using creativity or compassion or art? Um, you know, how can we incorporate those ideas into our legal arguments so that we can hopefully win? Let's talk a little bit. Let's kind of shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about the pandemic because there was a, a massive spike in Asian American hate crimes. Talk a little bit about how the pandemic played out and, and how you think you, the slants fit into that. Well, we actually made the decision to retire from touring in like late 2019. So uh, we didn't know there was like this massive global pandemic that was going to be hitting. Um, so we were already kind of staying at home and not really touring or anything like that uh, when things did erupt. But when uh, when the news was breaking out at, that the world was shutting down, we realized very quickly how it was impacting our community. I mean, we'd hear reports from from kids who followed our band from fellow activists and and folks like that who are just like talking about like the violent, like physical attacks um, that that folks were like getting like hit in the streets uh, or experiencing discrimination in some kind of way. And so we actually, we started a nonprofit right before all of this and we were partnering with organizations working to stop Asian hate. And one of the things that we also kind of noticed is like uh, with the rise of the pandemic, like in addition to everything shutting down, like, an area that was really impacted that not a lot of folks are talking about were, was, was the arts. Like we saw this massive decrease in funding to support artists, especially performing artists. And so we thought, hey, let's use our nonprofit and we'll fund artists who are creating works of art who can combat hate with, with art and, and, and that they could share a, another kind of work that maybe invokes compassion and dialogue instead. So we were working with about uh, a dozen different artists to create film projects, theater projects, music, and it was a way to kind of like push back against um, the, the, the tidal wave of hate. And then we also started working on um, kind of like these civic engagement events, uh, doing like virtual events and partnering up with social justice organizations around the country to do a bystander intervention training, to get policies passed, to get Congress to actually denounce the hates against our community. So it kept kept us busy. <laughs> it's uh, it's amazing to see how music and art can really transform people's lives and, and moving forward. And I think what you're doing with the the Slants Foundation is just really cool. You help get, give people scholarships and help them kind of. Yeah, we get to be a part of funding albums, uh, providing mentorship. So like like, there's one thing to like just give somebody like some cash. It's another thing to come by and say like the things you're experiencing, I've experienced too. Let, let us help you navigate that a little bit. So we get to kind of help them think about how to scale both their art and their activism. You know, so a lot of musicians, when they think about activism, they're like, I'm really passionate about this cause. So I'm going to write a song about it. I'm like, Hey, let's take that song, 
partner up with an organization that is working on the ground on that issue right now and teach them how to use art as a way to bring in new folks to, to support that cause. And now you have a whole community of people supporting the work you're doing. So really helping them think like holistically about like that intersection of art and activism. Some, some powerful work there. We, we have a program here, and the reason we do this radio show program is basically to raise awareness about our Guitars for Kids program and our music therapy programs. Over the last couple of years, we've provided about 200,000 hours of free guitar lessons. Uh, we've brought about 1,000 to 1,500 guitars to kids every year. Um, and that kind, kind of like hands-on engaging thing, getting arts in the back, it, it does so much more than just get a kid to experience music, but also just trying to find you know, an identity Maybe talk a little bit about that and kind of how music has helped you and this has helped others kind of find that identity. So when I was growing up, there were just not a lot of Asian American artists. Um, you know, there weren't any on MTV or Rolling Stone or anything like that. So the lack of having social mirrors is, a, is an odd experience. I mean, there's something really powerful when you see yourself in a role, uh, when you can see yourself on television or film or in a position of power. And... I, I didn't realize like how that affected my psyche and my development until I was in my early 20s. And, and that's when I got the idea for starting this band. I was like, wow, you know, I'd never really seen an Asian American like synth pop band. Like, what if we, what if we did that? And, and so that's kind of like what kicked this whole thing off and took my life in a very different direction. I, I think by showing that it is possible, by redefining what is possible with art is a really powerful thing because when folks can fully be themselves uh, and express that through music or poetry or painting or anything else, like not only does it make the world a more beautiful place, but I think that sense of whole self for that individual can be extremely empowering as well because now they see the value of their own story and their own self-worth as expressed through these works. Yeah. And what you guys are doing and have done is absolutely amazing. I feel like it's empowering. You know, I look at some of our kids when we bring some, just bringing female artists to a school and people, kids are like, I've never seen a, a woman play a guitar. It's just so powerful to see. And you're doing the same thing for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of kids. And I just think what you're doing is absolutely amazing. You got anything you want to add about the foundation or anything before we kind of wrap this thing up or... Uh, I mean, so we're we're really excited. I, I think one of the nice things about being like a small nonprofit is it allows us to be nimble. And we're all artists ourselves, so we're always constantly like rethinking, like what can we get away with here. Yeah. And so uh, we actually have a new program coming out soon uh, called Asian Pacific's Radio, where we're actually having artists write songs about issues they care about. They're partnering with the nonprofit, and then we're going to turn that into a radio show of like kind of like Song Exploder, but for activism and arts. And so we're really excited about that. And um, it's just been a really fun ride. We, you know, we, we actually don't get any funding from traditional um, arts foundations yet. We, it's all funded by other artists and, and a lot of Asian American actors and, and folks that you see on screen have been so generous in helping us like bring this work to life. And so I'm really excited about like what's to come because we're, we're constantly tinkering with it. Like much like artists are constantly writing new songs. I feel like this is another form of art in of itself. Like how do you, how do you create social impact uh, by helping other people fully find themselves through their art? Yeah. You want to maybe give a, where can people find more about this? You go to the slants.org or, you know, Google the slants foundation. I'll give uh, Simon Tam a big round of applause. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to the Songbirds Radio Hour. All right, now you're in for a real treat. The Slants are here to perform their first set in over three years. Please welcome the Slants.
like the first time we played this song in three years. So. Well, we technically played like half of it earlier during sound check. Acoustic instruments, and I feel like it's not quite the same. No, we did a sound check. Sound check. We're breaking the fourth wall. We have sound check prior to the show, but that was as mo as we played in three years. I stand corrected. As you usually do. Ghostly hands in abandoned room Where's the charge? It's hollow march Faked you out with bits and starts Don't let the words this way Don't let the text prevail Don't let the weakness of others infect your health Don't be their alibi Don't be their greedy mouth If it's time, then it's now Stand up tall and Just sit back, claw your way through the feedback 
Don't get caught in that, don't get caught in that Just react, pop mine, remain intact To the nail when I reach track Feed the pack cause it's your time now, it's your time now So this next song is actually one that we wrote and dedicated to the U.S. government. If you'd like to be a part of it, uh, it's very easy to sing along. We just, when we point at you, you just yell out the word no. So, no, you try it. One, two, three. One, two, three. All right. Sorry if my notes too sharp Sorry if my voice is too raw Make the pen a weapon and censor our intelligence Until I pass me nothing at all Sorry if you take offense You made our booth and play pretend We know you fear change It's something so strange But nothing's gonna get in our way There's no room Put your backwards feelings and backyard dealings We're never gonna settle, never gonna settle in We won't remain silent It's our defining moment We sing from the heart yeah, We sing from the heart And no, we won't be complacent It's a rock and roll nation We sing from the heart yeah, We sing from the heart Sorry if we try too hard Take some power back for ours The language of oppression will lose to education Until the words can't hurt us again Sorry if you take offense Silence will not make amends The system's all wrong and it won't be long Before the kids are singing our songs There's no room for your backwards feelings and backyard dealings We're never gonna settle, never gonna settle in We won't remain silent It's a defining moment We sing from the heart And we sing from the heart And no, no It's a rock and roll nation We sing from the heart
You're listening to Songbirds Radio Hour. Y'all give another round of applause for the slants. You guys, you guys definitely have not lost it over three years. That was great. Even with uh, you know, the, the scratchy voice. Perfect. Great. So uh, it's time now for the audience Q&A. Uh, what we're going to do is John's going to bring the microphone around. If you have a question, uh, raise your hand. Wait till the microphone gets to you. Um, and then you can ask your most inner, most burning questions for the slant. So who's got a question? What made you decide to fight for this cause and not just cave? I think initially it was just like one step at a time. Like, okay, what's the next thing that we got to do to get this trademark? But as we continued on, we realized that it was going to take more than, than that. It was going to take longer and it's going to be more expensive and, and harm us in ways that we couldn't even imagine quite yet. But what kept me in it was having a great collection of mentors and a sense of community of folks who had been working in social justice work, people who I long admired, encouraging us to continue on. And also just hearing about how the law was being used, how it affected other groups, and hearing about their experiences and thinking, I don't want another person to have to go through this ever again. And so uh, that's why we stuck stuck with it. I think we can all applaud that. That's just great. Who's got another question? I also have a question about your name. So as part of your defense, did you bring up why were the slits allowed to be called that, even though they were an all-woman punk rock band in the 70s, but uh, not the slants? Uh, so we, we didn't actually bring up the list of like, you know, potentially uh, charged names, but a few other organizations did when they were going up to the Supreme Court. And I mean, there's all manner of things, both in terms of people who are reappropriating and doing good things, as well as people who maybe had um, less uh, noble intentions, right? Uh, so we think about particularly with uh, groups like the, the Slits or our friends, uh, this amazing Seattle rock band called Thunder Pussy. They are like oh, super badass. Like they are obviously using language in a really self-empowering way, but the, uh, you know, Thunder Pussy included were actually denied from being able to get their trademarks, and yet porn companies were getting away with get using those exact same terms. So it was just more like a, a stark example of like how the the law itself wasn't actually serving people, wasn't protecting people, and so I mean, it just showed how inconsistent it was. And when it's inconsistent, uh, generally speaking, it favors on the dominant groups. And they got the benefit of the doubts, whereas people like us didn't. Other questions? I know some, I, I know people got some questions out there. There's one over here. How can we further support you on this journey? Because it's absolutely amazing. Uh, well, oh, thank you so much. Um, you know, we, we see our, our struggle as part of like the larger struggle for, for dignity and for justice. So I would say, um, you know, kind of in the words of Dr. King, a, a threat to justice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. When you see folks getting oppressed or receiving anything that is less than dignity, less than the grace that you think that you ought to, that you would want to receive, then find ways of jumping in and I can't emphasize enough being civically engaged, like participating, like voting and, and, and testifying at City Hall probably makes more of an impact on folks of color than what happens every four years. Um, it, it, like that's really, really important to, to actually like be, be a part of the process. 
And so um, there's a lot of really great organizations that, you know, perhaps you, you, you know, find one that really aligns with your values and where you feel like the kind of change they're working on um, resonates with you and then support them you know, financially, volunteer hours, whatever you can, you can do to, to help make it happen. Any fo- uh, follow up right there? <laughs> do you think that um, you guys are ever going to tour again one more time? Tyler, you want to go on tour? <laughs> so I've been retired longer than Simon because I, I left the band a few years prior to the band uh, uh, calling it quits on the road. And then we played this reunion show that was the, the final show in, in uh, 2019. And I was like, man, I really miss this. <laughs> so... Uh, I think uh, I think we could all say that uh, if if it was uh, if it worked out, uh, we would all love to. Yeah, it, it's tough because we all live in different parts of the country. So I'm out in Cincinnati, Ohio now. Joe's in Portland, Oregon. Tyler's in Seattle. We got folks like just kind of spread out all over right now. Um, and then Joe and I are actually working on other arts projects. So we are composing an opera that's based on our story, and that's debuting in St. Louis next March. And then uh, we have a musical theater show that we're developing, and that's debuting next fall. So probably after that. Oh, and we're releasing a new album. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> Tyler's playing on that. Um, De- definitely sounds like you're retired. So we are just retired from the touring part yeah, that, you know. <laughs> it's, so, I mean, there's a couple acts that have done similar kinds of things. Um, you know, I, I think, yeah, I, I mean, I would love to. I miss it. I mean, th- these guys are like my family, so I, I love spending time with them and, and making art. But it will probably be a little bit just because we have so many other projects in the hopper. Other follow-ups? There's one right here. While you're walking over there, I'll just say, can you, can you give us a little more about the opera? That sounds... <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Joe and I are part of something called the New Works Collective. Uh, the Opera Theater of St. Louis is actually providing grants for um, new voices to probably to shake up the form of opera. So we don't know anything about opera, really. Like, we had to learn a lot of it. Uh, we're still writing and, and trying to bring in a sense of rock and roll into it. And also, I wanted to bring in, like, humor and, and inspiration. So the story itself is actually loosely based on this thing like before we went to the supreme court i would imagine like they would recognize me and call on me and i could get to say whatever i want in the court and and make like a passionate plea of course that doesn't happen uh, but in the opera we can get away with it and so um, <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of fun uh, we're gonna have a special duet with ruth bader ginsburg who was a big fan of opera and um, guitars are going to come from the sky. It's going to be very rock and roll. I don't know if they're very rock and roll. I, I don't know if they're letting us get away with everything we want, but we're going to try and do as much as possible. Well, nothing like great music and RBG all there in one thing. So. Exactly. Yeah. We got time for one more question. Will you be coming back to Chattanooga area? And also, how was it getting so close to Ruth Bader? Haven't seen her standing up for y'all. Um, yeah, I mean, I would would love to come back to Chattanooga. Love this area. I mean, there's so many great things here. Really delicious food, and it's a, it's a great. I mean, great community. I, I he, really he actually almost it. moved here. So. I almost bought a house here, but yeah. chose Cincinnati over you. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know. Uh, but it, it, 
yeah, we we, we do love uh, Chattanooga. So, uh, and what was the other? She was asking about what it was like being near our oh, RBG and uh, and having her support. It was unbelievable. I mean, I just I. I mean, like I was speechless when I, when she, she like gave us a shout out from the bench. I mean, that was just absolutely unbelievable. And to, to see someone who'd fought so hard for the dignity of others, like actually see our case for what it was, it was really, really like moving to me. And our paths almost crossed a few different times. Actually, we were booked to speak at events together, but then she was dealing with some health issues and wasn't able to make it to those things. Um, but she talked about her case a lot and speeches and things. So that, so that was really, really amazing. We worked on a cookbook together. <laughs> so um, there's something called the 19th Amendment cookbook, and it was to support the women's suffrage movement. And a bunch of us, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, I, I submitted recipes, like family recipes. So it's out there somewhere. The American Bar Association has it. <laughs> there's a lot of tasty things in there. I like, I like, I like the normal trajectories of your band. <laughs> you, you like start out as like we're just like in a place in punk rock and then you're like in the Supreme Court you're doing this cookbook you're writing an opera it's uh, nothing we do is right normal so. <laughs> y'all give another round of applause for this great great this great band doing great things I mean you can't have a band doing better work than you guys I'm so proud to have you guys here at Songbirds I mean this is a great way to do our, to wrap up our year of, of radio hours, and we've got a bunch coming up next year, but we're just so happy to have you guys here. I mean, you're doing such cool work. Thanks so much for all you're doing, and all, I feel like you've suffered so much for the, the greater good. It's just awesome. Or maybe you didn't suffer. You, you, you had to experience all this great stuff that, that had this huge impact on the whole world. So thanks so much. As we kind of transition through the, the conclusion, you guys mind playing a little mood music while I read the conclusion here? Once again, we reach the end of our program, and I want to remind you of the transformative power of music. Musicians like the Slants have put forth such great effort to create change and stand up against hate, racism, bigotry, and xenophobia. And their work has been an inspiration for others, but it takes all of us working together towards a common goal to create lasting change. So this month, take time out of your schedule to do something kind for others. Volunteer at organizations who strive for a more equitable world. Write letters to your legislators. Call out racism when you see it. And show empathy. More simply, just take the time to get to know the people around you. Get out of your comfort zone. Learn about their struggles and ask how you can be supportive. And if you need a little bit of musical inspiration or motivation, why don't you take a listen to the Isley Brothers' Fight the Power or Anti-Flag song Racist. Or The Blacker the Berry by Kendrick Lamar. Or America by Tracy Chapman. Whatever music inspires you to act and to stand up against hate, together we can eliminate racial injustice and build a better world. Thank you. I'd like to introduce Alice. She's going to come up and she's going to be taking us out and reading the credits for us. 
Songbridge Radio Hour is made possible through a grant from the River U Foundation. We are produced and written by Reed Caldwell and Charlie Moss. Live recording by James Snyder. Our show art is by Mars Michael, and our set was created with the help from me, Alice Heinsen. We are directed, edited, and mixed by John Dooley. Additional thanks to Adam Gann, Ray Bassett, Victoria Sauer, and WUTC. Y'all give another huge round of applause for the slants. And that's our show. Thanks so much for joining us here at Songbirds. Until next time, be kind to others and good night. Thank you.